your ever-present pursuit of entertainment, education, and some adjective to be named later, the Homestar Army proudly presents Trek West 5, a conglomerate podcast of science fiction, politics, humor, and pretty much whatever else they want to talk about. Your hosts for Trek West 5 are Joey and Peter. Good afternoon, welcome to Podcast 168. I am Peter. And I am Joey. Um... Okay, well, we uh, we're totally back on schedule now. Did not take any time off. <laughs> it's been a long month. It has <laughs> so long. So it started out. Here's the story. Here's why. Here's where it all happened. I was helping out a client. We were upgrading their website. Everything seemed to go wrong, and so that week I just gave up. <laughs> I said, you know what? I don't care anymore. Damn it, I just want to go home and sit on my couch. And take it easy. <laughs> I don't want to do anything. Um, there may have been ice cream sandwiches involved. Um, I I got depressed. It was sad. I just wanted to be all by myself in a quiet room. A dark, dark room. <laughs> <laughs> and so then the following week, I was gone from... Yeah. Uh, f- because of a family reunion, my parents had their 50th wedding anniversary, and so all of the family was in town, and so we made a trip out to Monterey, which was tons of fun. Uh, there, I had a, a, a lot of enjoyment because of my nephews and nieces. If it was just my brothers and sisters and my parents, I would not have gone. <laughs> it would have been terrible. I would not have enjoyed myself, but they were there, and so that made it. Uh, that made it. Which is funny fun. because you always talk about how much you hate kids. Oh, I don't hate kids. Okay, I don't. I think they're stupid. Oh, I see. Okay, <laughs> a bit of a difference. Yeah, yeah. There is a fine I, I line them. of distinction. There. I, I absolutely love kids, um, but uh, yeah, they're just dumb. That's true. I, I can't deny that. Yeah. Um, so then we. I came back. I think I was ready to go. But you had something come up. I don't know. I don't remember <laughs> really? what it was about. Uh, my wedding anniversary. Yeah, your wedding anniversary. anniversary. Here's the thing. You hadn't mentioned anything to me about this. So had you forgotten? No. We were supposed to do it this weekend. Oh, really? And record last weekend. I see. Okay. But our babysitter, the person that we had planned to watch the kids, because we actually went and stayed at a hotel overnight without the kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I actually had a suite booked at the only five-star hotel in all of Utah. And then uh, the person that we had asked to take care of our kids for like 40 hours uh, said, oh, you know what? My sister's coming into town the weekend that I'm supposed to watch your kids. If we're going to do it, it has to be this weekend. Uh. And so I had to cancel my, my booked suite and instead get whatever room I could, I see. which was a, a much cheaper room but it wasn't this nice experience that i had i had planned hey you saved some money well (laughs) i would have (laughs) this is awesome this is just so awesome this story yes which i i think i know the the story you're about to tell and i just it screams the life of joey smith (laughs) so much so go okay so uh you know i thought well, we're not in the nice big suite, so instead, 
what I'll spend that money on is I'll we'll, we'll order room service. We'll order in room service for breakfast in the morning. And they hang this card on your door. You're supposed to fill out the card with what you want. And so I, I ordered just their standard breakfast. They had like a three-egg omelet. And it said it came with one piece of sausage, uh, pork sausage. And I was like, oh, you know, I, I like sausage. I'm going to go ahead and order four pieces of sausage in addition to my three-egg omelet. So, I, so there's a line that says pork sausage, and I, I put a four next to it. My wife said, you know what? Why don't you order me four pieces of bacon as well? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I told you that part before. Uh-uh. but So uh, the next morning, the door there's a knock at the door, and you know, I go get it. And the guy wheels in the table, and he's like, I hope you guys are okay. We put all 20 sausage links <laughs> and all 20 pieces of bacon together. I'm like, what do you mean 20? The guy's like, yeah, you guys, you must be really hungry. It's just the two of you? Wow. Really, really hungry. I'm like, what is going on? Well, turns out what I was ordering was one order of sausage, which is meant to be like, I guess, a meal for one person because it's five pork sausage links. <laughs> and so I ordered like almost a hundred dollars worth of pork <laughs> via room service because there was no prices on the card. And I thought, you know what? I'm just gonna, you know, one of the things that my wife hates is, you know, she's I, I kind of I'm kind of a penny pincher, you uh-huh. might say, always checking the prices on things and saying, no, we're gonna go do the cheaper thing just because I'm I'm cheap. And she, so you know, I thought, you know what? This is her wedding anniversary. We'll just throw caution to the wind and just spend whatever we have to spend to get this meal. Good grief. I wish I'd called and found out how much. It... Yeah. So we spent almost a hundred dollars on sausage and bacon. I, I believe the 14th anniversary is the pork anniversary. So I think you nailed it. Perfectly. Nailed that part, right? <laughs> Here's the thing. You, when you were telling the story there, you said pieces, did it actually say pieces on the little card? No, no, I, I never, did it, it didn't say pieces. It just said pork sausage, and then it had a line, and it said, write in how many you want. <clears throat> That's what it said. Write in how many you want. It didn't, at nowhere on that card did it, because we actually went by another room, and I saw the card hanging on the door, uh-huh. and I stopped, and I grabbed it and looked it over. There was no indication on there that when you write a one in there that you're going to get five individual pieces of pork sausage or bacon yeah so here's the thing i think that that is one of the occasions where you can totally go to the manager and say look you guys didn't do a very good job of this (laughs) but i think you were incredibly smart not to do that and cause a scene just eat it (laughs) yeah as a husband you made totally the right call by just saying well, let's dig into the sausage. I did go down to the car and get a Ziploc bag <laughs> and put the sausage and bacon in the Ziploc bag and took it home. And the next morning, we had sausages and bacon with breakfast. <laughs> oh, that is just hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. It actually, I think it took us until Wednesday before we had it all eaten. <laughs> well, what, did it taste good, though? Yeah, it was. They were good sausages. Okay. All right. Well... That I, I think that was a win all it, around. It actually it was a it was a you know that that part excluded. And I you know I can take some blame for that. It was you know it was the not calling down to find out exactly what I was buying. I think that kind of bit me there. But again, I was just trying to give my wife the kind of experience that she wanted. That we just okay, you know, we just take it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, they actually they gave us in our room a card that next year if we stay at that same hotel next year. 
in the same month as our anniversary, then we get to up, we get upgraded to the full suite for free. That's nice. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that. So on the fifteenth wedding anniversary, we go from the regular sized room to the full suite. <laughs> Uh, well, fantastic. You had a good time. It was enjoyable. Yes. Didi had a good time. That's perfect. That's all that really matters yeah, through the whole thing. Uh, yeah, in fact, s- silly story <laughs> excluded. That That's awesome. We, I was going to take her out to eat at a nice, fancy restaurant. And I thought, you know what? I'm doing this for my wife. We need to go to Olive Garden. Oh, she likes that. Is, that is her favorite restaurant. She lo- the, the fettuccine Alfredo at Olive Garden to her is the best mo- meal that you can purchase. Uh-huh. And so instead of going somewhere nice and fancy, I just said, well, it's what my wife would want. We're going to go to Olive Garden. <laughs> <laughs> Call me a big spender. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Um, okay. Uh, and then... That was last weekend, was so last now weekend. we're back yep. here. So uh, from last time we recorded to now is about four weeks. Uh, so that that's where we get. I guess we only missed three weekends. Yeah. Um, but uh, we're although back. We, although we are technically recording on Saturday, so we actually missed four Fridays. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Anything else you want to talk about? Anything that uh, you need to mention? Not really. No. Okay. I've got an email here that I want to I want to share. Okay. Uh, it's from our friend uh, Fishhead. He says, Joey Peter, dystopian stories are not really my favorite, and I don't think I could choose a top five. But once I started thinking about it, I realized I have read quite a few. I would bet that you have probably read more than you realize, especially with the recent surge in young adult dystopian series and even young adult by Utahns. For me, a dystopian novel is one usually set in the future where society has collapsed, changed, typically toward totalitarianism, degenerated, or is very far along the road to do so, often dealing with issues of control and individualism. Sometimes dystopian and post-apocalyptic stories overlap. Here are the ones I remember reading or am currently reading, that considered dystopian, some of which come up on lists you shared. Now, he's got a long list here. Okay. So, 1984 by Orwell. Brave New World by Huxley. Mm-hmm. The Time Machine, H.G. Wells. Okay. I, w- I wouldn't have thought that that was, oh, but yeah. I've, never read, I've never read that book. Yeah, when he goes into the very, very far future, uh-huh. there's a point where there's one society that eats the other one to survive. (laughs) That's great. Yeah, humanity's split into the... I think it's the Morlocks, and I can't remember what the other one's called. Oh, I see. I've heard the name Morlocks. Okay. Um, When the Sleeper Wakes, H.G. Wells. The uh, the God Whale and Half-Past Human by T.J. Bass. Clockwork Orange, Burgess. Lord of the Flies, William Golding. It mirrors the themes and ideas present in many dystopian books on a small scale. While I think it is implied that the world is in the midst of a nuclear war, which potentially could have similar results on the macro level. See, that's interesting. I always read that as, okay, this is just this is kind of happening during the 30s or 40s. Okay. Um, you know, that that's when this time period is happening and it's within our own 
real world. I never really thought of it as a dystopian type of novel, but if you exclude it as its own little thing, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty dystopian. Yeah. I actually there's a, a guy who writes essays. His name is Paul Graham. He's a computer programmer. Uh-huh. And uh one of the essays he wrote talks about how how reading uh Lord of the Flies in high school, he says, I wish somebody had pulled me aside and said, We're talking about you. You're monsters to each other. Would <laughs> you stop it? <laughs> yeah. It's like I you know, I didn't realize until I got out of high school that that's that's the point of that book is how mean those kids were to each other. That's what we do to each other all through school. Yeah, that would be a really because that's a, a lot of times when people are reading it is in, in high school. Uh, that would be a really good way to help people realize, help these young kids realize, don't don't be bullies and yeah, yeah. don't be terrible. Um, continuing, Logan's Run by Nolan. Okay, the Sunset Warrior series. Eric Van Lustbader. Oh, okay. I haven't read those series. I read some of the Lustbader stuff, but not that series. Okay. The Abbey of St. Leibowitz Saga, Walter M. Miller Jr. Uh, Deus Irae. I-R-A-E. Okay. No idea how to pronounce that. Roger Zelazny and Philip K. Dick. Wow, hmm. I didn't know those guys did something together. Combo, yeah. Uh, do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep and Others? Uh, Philip K. Dick. Damnation Alley, Zelazny. The 11th uh, Commandant, Lester Del Rey. Fahrenheit 451, Ray, uh, Ray Bradbury. Mm-hmm. Did Was that on any of our lists? I think it was on... Because I, it's yeah, totally... We talked about it. We mentioned it. It's totally one. Um, and I've read that one. So, uh, Ballroom of the Skies, McDonald. Atlas Shrugged, Ayn Rand. Uh, make Room, Make Room, yeah. <laughs> Harry Harrison. Made into the movie Soylent Green. Yes. It's people. <laughs> Soylent Green is made out of people. Harrison Bergeron, Kurt Vonnegut. Uh, okay. Actually, just a short story, but more powerful yeah. than many novels. Uh, read that one. Love it. Okay. A huge fan of that. I remember reading it in freshman English and thinking, wow, that's really a pretty cool story. I'm surprised. I wouldn't have paid you as a, a, Va- a Vonnegut fan. <clears throat> Neither would I. I didn't even know it was by Vonnegut. Okay. It wasn't until I read that there. I just remember the story of Harrison Bergeron. Okay. Uh, the Folk of the Fringe, an anthology, Orson Scott Card. Most of the dystopian elements are actually in the background in these stories. The Host, Stephanie Meyer. The Giver series, Lois Lowry, young adult. Hunger Games trilogy, Suzanne Collins, young adult. Did you ever read the Hunger Games novels? I read the first two. Any good? Uh, the first one I really enjoyed. The second one, I thought, wait, didn't I just finish reading that one? Uh, it really felt like the same book twice, mm, I so see. I didn't bother reading the third okay. one. Okay, because I had friends who read it and they were like, "Oh, it's super great." The first and- one is a lot of fun. I mean, it's it's very much <clears throat> young adult dystopian science fiction. It's pretty enjoyable. Okay, uh, I think the second one she should have worked out. They, they should have kept a little more in the can until it was all the way cooked. Okay. Uglies series by yeah. Scott Westerfield, okay. young adult. Maze Runner, 
series. Uh, James Dashner, a huh. Utahn. I didn't know Dashner did a, a series on dystopian. Okay. City of Ember series. Yeah, I like uh, those. Jeannie uh, Dupre, Duprow, young adult. I haven't read, but they are on my to-be-read list. Prog- uh, Possession series, Elena Johnson, uh, a Utahn. Divergent trilogy, yep. Catherine Tegan. Matched trilogy, yep. Ali Condi, also a Utahn. Yep. If you were to open this up to movies, TV show, and comics, as some did, the list would grow even more. Yeah. Thanks for listening, listener Fishhead. Uh, great list. Um, I'm glad you sent that in because there were a few that once you mentioned them, I'm like, oh yeah, okay, I, I did read those. Sure. Yeah. Um, and, and the Divergent and the Matched, uh, my wife really enjoys both of those series. Okay. Well, that's pretty awesome. Okay, um, I found an email that I think I may have overlooked the last time we recorded. I don't know. Maybe we already read this, but we're going to read it again. Yeah, so sorry to everyone. It's been a long time. And this is how much we care about emails. We'll read them twice. (laughs) (laughs) From here on out, we're going to start reading all emails twice. (laughs) Um, No, this is from uh, listener Alex. And uh, he uh, he sent in this on the seventh in the morning, but I don't know that I got it, so we're going to read it over. Dear Pete and Joey, as always, I hope this email finds you well. As usual, I'm still behind on your podcast. I'm currently on episode one fifty nine, for which I apologize. It has been a joy to revisit BSG with you guys. Joey's theories are hilarious. And fascinating to listen to, and Pete deserves special kudos for managing to not give away any spoilers, (laughs) though I'm sure he's enjoying himself immensely. Yes, yes, I am. In fact, your podcast definitely helped me get through the various uh, spring runs here in Belgium. Just keep listening to Joey's theories about who the Cylons are. Don't think about how tired you are. (laughs) So, thanks for that. Uh, Am I curious to... uh, I am very curious to hear how Joey will react to the events of the Season 2 finale. And I was wondering whether you guys um, also um, would be watching the webisodes like The Resistance and Face of the Enemy. I hope so, since I thought they added a lot to the motivations of some of the so-called secondary characters, and would love to hear your take on them. Um, I don't know, probably not. Our plan is to just do, you know, a solid go-through of the the main series. We may go back and hit some of the the web stuff that was out. Um, We'll see. Okay. I didn't even know they existed, so. Yeah. They weren't very good. (laughs) <laughs> from what I've heard. I've not You've watched not them. them. Okay. Mm-hmm. Also, I recently started listening to your Star Trek movie reviews during a drive to Holland and had a few comments regarding your review of Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. The theme of the movie was indeed the reproachment which occurred between the two former superpowers after the fall of the Berlin Wall and the disillusion of the USSR. In fact, one of the key themes of the movie is the difficulty that many old warriors face. 
Having been at war for so long, can they put aside their anger and animosity and embrace their former enemies in a new era of peace? Similar themes were examined in the classic TNG episode, The Wounded. People can be very frightened of change. I agree with you that it was disconcerting to see the way some minority characters, such as Admiral Cartwright, were ready to treat the Klingons, but I would argue with you that the real world gives us plenty of examples of people who used to be persecuted, who are sometimes all too ready to persecute others. You'd think that the fact that they were once persecuted themselves should teach them better and give them the gift of empathy. It should. It absolutely should. But it doesn't always. Pete was correct when he mentioned that General Chang's words to Kirk, don't wait for the translation, answer me now, were a direct reference to a historical event though he was incorrect when he said it was the Nuremberg Tribunal. It was actually the Cuban Missile Crisis. More specifically, these words were uttered by uh, Adlai Stevenson, U.S. Ambassador to the United Nations, to Valerian Zorin, USSR Ambassador to the U.N., during the U.N. Security Council emergency session in which the U.S. showed U-2 photos of the Soviet missile silos in Cuba. The complete line is, All right, sir, let me ask you one simple question. Do you, Ambassador Zorin, deny that the USSR has placed and is placing medium and intermediate range missiles and sites in Cuba. Yes or no, yes or no, don't wait for the translation, yes or no. Okay. If you're interested, there is a fantastic movie called 13 Days, which does a fantastic job of dramatizing this amazing historical event. Um, yeah, we'll put up a link to that. As for this week's question of top five dystopian novels, here are my five. Five, V for Vendetta. Does this count since it's a graphic novel? I hope so also because I think that the graphic novel is a powerful medium for dystopias because of the combination of both literary and visual qualities. And that V for Vendetta does an excellent job of it also thanks to the indelible characters that Moore created. 4. Lord of the Flies This is another favorite of mine for all the wrong reasons. (laughs) People often dream of starting a new, better world, maybe on a deserted island. This book proves just how dangerous a prospect that might be. As the boys gradually lose their rules that made them civilized human beings and give way to their baser instincts, events in the book progress from simple bullying to stylized animal rape and even murder. Number three, The Road. This book is about as bleak as you can get, what with the ash-filled atmosphere that makes the father cough up blood and the human survivors... Tuned, um, turned cannibals who are capable of roasting a baby for dinner. Ugh. And yet, despite all this, hope still lives on as the man and boy manage to carry on the legacy of humanity as they struggle for survival. I confess that I teared up at the end. 2. Brave New World 
This might be one of the most terrifying ones of them all, since it does seem to be the most appeal. People do their work, and everyone is content with their lot in life, thanks to drugs. It does sound rather appealing until you realize the huge price that they pay. Number 1. 1984. A classic in every sense of the word. I still recall when I first read this book and how much it terrified me. The concepts, such as newspeak, doublethink, still frighten me out just like the ease with which the party can rewrite history as it wants to be remembered. Clearly indicates why no one should ever have that kind of power. Sorry, Joey. Not even you. (laughs) Well, I think that's enough for now. Again, thanks so much for all your great work and keep it up. We all really appreciate it. Take care, Alex. P.S. I went to see Star Trek Into Darkness last night and I thought it was a fabulous thrill ride. I'm going to try to go see it again and maybe a more critical eye. Uh, See it again with maybe a more critical eye. Curious to hear your thoughts. Um, I think we gave our thoughts, so you've already got them. Sorry if uh, we had to, you know, if we read that already, but I didn't think we had. All right. (sighs) What now? Facebook find of the week? Yes. All right. Um, I don't remember what we did for last week, so I am just going to say that uh, listener Bob and listener SpongeBob had a baby. We're giving it to them. Okay. Their baby is Facebook Find of the Week <laughs> award. Uh, they because, found the baby. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Who knew? Well, probably what the was two it of doing them. Doing there? <laughs> what an odd place to keep a baby—a uterus. <laughs> Uh, congratulations to you guys. Absolutely. I think we mentioned something on the Facebook. I think you guys posted up, but uh, uh, super happy for you. Congratulations. Um, what do we want to do next? List? Yeah, let's do our lists. Do our list. This week's list is top five... Heavy metal songs. Heavy metal songs. Um, we do have somebody who sent in a list. Okay. So I'm going to pull is, that is up. Is it Bob? Brainy. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> Uh, for people who don't participate in the Facebook page, uh, Bob had asked me to specify what kind of metal it had to be in. So I, I went online and I spent about 20 minutes searching for oh, the narrowest possible <laughs> genre of metal that I could find. And I told Bob, okay, it was like Norwegian black death metal or something like that. I said, okay, Bob has to give us five of those. Everyone else, any kind of metal you want. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's weird how m- striated metal is. Yeah, it is a little bit. Um, but we're, yeah, our lists are really just pretty basic stuff. So, um, all right. Brainy Smurf says, top five metal songs. Uh, metal first needed a kick-ass guitarist. No, not Jack White, someone who plays a thousand times less sloppy. Here is a definition. Metal is fast, usually guitar-driven, slightly complex. Metallica was a metal band through Injustice for All. The Black Album is a hard rock album. Sorry, it's just too slow to be metal. Which is defined by guitarist, and so naturally, by list, 
not only reflects metal songs, but also highlights some of the genre's ultimate guitar heroes, past to present. Honorable mention, Metallica Orion. Long live Cliff Burton. Intricate structure and great harmonizing riffs. Hammett is not quite good enough to be considered on the same level as the others on this list, so although Hammett is an intermediate guitarist at best, he has nonetheless influenced a lot of little dudes to pick up a guitar and become better than he. And that's what it's all about. Slay Your Master. This song always will have a special place in my heart because my very first band covered it. More real-life guitar hero honorable mentions. Rusty Cooley, War of the Angels, Such Shredding. Michelangelo uh, Basio. Uh, he plays a left and right-handed um, guitar at the same time for reels. Wow. How, I don't know how you would do that. I don't know either. Um, Let's see here. I can't pronounce that. Someone named... Last name Malmstein, Darkstar, the, de- the debut of a kick-ass glimmered-out guitar legend. Buckethead, he is now as good as anyone. Number five, Paul Gilbert, B.R.O. First of all, yes, he is the guitarist from Mr. Big, whose one-hit wonder, uh, To Be With You, didn't make our previous list, and rightly so. But this dude is still one of the best guitarists recording metal today. In my not-so-humble opinion, he is literally the fastest guitarist alive. (laughs) And his song proves it in 90 seconds. Number four, Cacophony, Speed Metal Symphony. Dude, you will never hear such complex and fast-dueling guitar riffs. These two dudes harmonize and completely sync so many notes so fast, it's just so metal. Although, I think these guys may have achieved some notoriety through Guitar Hero games, this superhuman guitar duo features arguably the two most technically proficient of all time at their craft. Marty Friedman and Jason Becker are given a special reverence by advanced guitar seekers since the 80s. Black Hat is a more palatable example of their prowess. Number three, Pantera. Walk, a seminal metal staple. Widely recognizable and amazingly hard. Vinnie Paul's drumming is terrifyingly fierce, with a kick-ass guitar solo by Diamond Daryl. He died by getting shot in the face on stage. Very metal. (laughs) Two, Dragon Force, Through the Fires and the Flames. Herman Lee and Sam Totman are two of the best shredders around today, and Dragon Force is essentially the only overly popular metal with kids today. Dragon Force may have silly lyrics about riding dragons and such, but their guitar work is unrivaled today in the mainstream metal category. Number one, Iron Maiden the trooper it is just so perfect iron maiden is the ultimate metal band and rightly so that they should have the song as well when i composed this list one month ago this song was the only possible choice and i still agree with myself 
1982's The Number of the Beast would probably also be um, be my submission for all-time greatest metal album, mostly because of the emergence of Adrian Smith. I haven't seen the movie yet, but there is an awesome scene in the book of World War Z where the soldiers blast this tune to get pumped up for zombie slaying. Of course they do. Uh, no, that is not in the movie. <laughs> Spoiler. Um, yeah, good list. I knew that you would be able to bring a little bit more to... Um, the conversation? Yeah, than, than my one-note Metallica list is going to be. Uh, Joey, do you want to go? Sure. Uh, so I, I realize that Brainy is probably going to... Uh, take umbrage at most of my list he's gonna probably say that wasn't metal but these are songs that i think of as metal that's okay. the, the, my limited understanding so my number five is uh king nothing by metallica mm-hmm. it's one of my favorite metallica songs love to listen to it i, I think he would probably consider that yeah. probably not because it's on the load album yes which is what everybody considers as the sellout album <laughs> Uh, my number four is Walk by Pantera, so I think uh, made his list, too. Yep, so it at did. Least, at least I got one right. <laughs> uh, my number three is Back in Black, ACDC. Uh-huh. My number two is Detroit Rock City by Kiss. Really? Yeah. Okay. I didn't even... I can't believe I didn't even think of Kiss. Okay. And my number one, again, uh, another Metallica one, Broken, Beat, and Scarred. Mm-hmm. This is probably one of my all-time favorite songs i'd say it's in my top 10 all-time favorite songs uh i know pete and i we've had this discussion i actually think that that's a very uplifting song (laughs) because yes it's all about what doesn't kill you makes you more strong that's the whole thing it's a beautiful message to send i love that song yes uh it's odd i've never heard it playing to your children when i've come over to your home You've never heard me play any music to my children. When you're there, we turn the music off. My kids have heard Broken, Beaten, Scarred. Awesome. Um, okay. So I've got, a, I've got a number of them on my list. Um, special mention is going to go to ACDC um, Highway to Hell. Okay. I, I actually like a little bit more than the other one you mentioned. Um, of course, Fuel and Master of Puppets. They're fantastic. Yes, those are both good ones. Uh, number five is King Nothing as well. Okay. It's a big, big f- uh, favorite of mine. When Load came out and they were playing some of the, you know, 2 by 4 Ain't My Bitch, um, and uh, there was one other one that was one of their signature ones, I heard that one and I said, holy crap, I've got to get this album. And it was all because of that song, King Nothing, because I, it just blew me away. Um, but it is a little more rockish, a little more... Yeah. Anyway, number four, same album, Ronnie. And I I definitely think that that's a metal song. It's gritty. It's in your face. Um, it's it's not fun, uh, the, the story that's being told in that song. Number three, uh, from Metallica, One. Okay. It's amazing. I love the story that goes along with it. Um and number two, The Day That Never Comes. This is on um, the most recent Metallica album. Um, and then my number one is All Nightmare Long. You, I, uh, I defy you to say that any of those two songs are not metal uh, because those are loud 
and they are rough and they are in your face and they're awesome. Uh, the videos for them are also pretty dang cool. Um, so if you ever want to scare yourself, watch the all nightmare long video um, because that's creepy as far <laughs> as I'm concerned. Actually, I uh, had an interesting experience last night. Totally tangent, but that's what, you know, we're here to talk. That's what we do. Um, I don't know why I did why I did this to myself. I, in fact, I told my wife, if you ever see me doing this again, tell me not to do this. Uh, I watched an episode of Ice Road Truckers last night. <laughs> Why? <So> Whoa. I, <laughs> like eight years ago, or seven years ago, when they first came out, I thought, oh, that looks like an interesting show. I'm going to watch it. And I watched it and realized that this is a phobia for me. <laughs> this is a, a true deep-seated fear. And I actually remember when I was a kid living in Wyoming and we were going up a hill and it was like a, I think it was like a seven or eight percent grade hill, which is a really, really steep angle. And it was icy and the car started to slide backwards. And my dad insists that we only slid at like 100 feet. To me, it felt like miles. And I thought we were all going to die. Sure. Uh, And I watched... So I watched an episode of that and just every muscle (laughs) in my body, tight as a knot. And I, I just... Last night as I was flipping through the TV, I was like, oh, you know what? I haven't watched Ice Road Truckers in a few years. And I'd forgotten why I don't watch ice road truckers. <laughs> I, I'm sure they're on very nice, well-paved roads now. I, I just had forgotten how frightening that show is for me. And so I, I watched, and I watched about 20 minutes of it. And then I went upstairs and I said, well, I'm not going to be sleeping for the next three hours. I mean, I was in a sweat and I had knotted muscles in my arms from tensing up so much. Golly. <laughs> that sounds terrible. That's terrifying. Okay. Uh, listen to Brainy Smurf. Okay. Um, he says, Sup, dudes. Four score and seven years ago when we started season three. <laughs> um, just japping? Why would, he, why would he put a word in here? J-A-P-I-N-G. I look at that and I want it... That- japing. Japing? Yes. All right. <laughs> that is not a racial slur. Well, it's... It- <laughs> It looks to like j- it. To jape. It's like to make a joke. It's All right. No more using words that might be racially insensitive <laughs> if I don't know how to pronounce them. Um, if the overlords need four weeks and one day to reformat their souls, then it is a deserved hiatus. Thank you for all you dudes do. I really appreciate it here in the Berg. Um, just so we're clear... It wasn't terribly relaxing for me. <laughs> like, I came back exhausted. My flight landed at, you know, 12 in the morning. I didn't get to bed till one thirty. I was at work by 8, um, or, I don't know, sometime in the morning. It was not relaxing. Maybe it was relaxing for you. Was it? Uh, I'd say last weekend was relaxing. Okay. All right. Fair enough. As far as what's new in Brainy's life... Twitter patient. No, I haven't incited a Twitter revolution. <laughs> I rather acquired myself a new girlfriend. Hey. Sorry, ladies. Twek, Trek West 5 girls and amba- uh, TW5G apostrophe S. TW5Gs? I don't know. 
Ambassador to the Dark Side is totally taken for the time being, and here's why. Said girlfriend is younger than me. <laughs> and college-age chicks these days love the current trendiness of tie-dye apparel. <laughs> I didn't know that was a I, thing, though. I didn't know either. I've been so far out of college. According to the girl, dyes are sold at merchant stands at recent Bon Jovi, Taylor Swift, Wiz Khalifa, and Kenny Chesney concerts. So she may not have the best taste in music, but she compensated by acquiescing that our first date be a viewing of Into Darkness. Huh. I provided the customary, don't be scared that I'm such a nerd speech, and she quickly countered with the story about how she got pulled over dressed as a Gryffindor wizard at three in the morning <laughs> after seeing one of the movie debuts. I was in good company, and so into darkness we went. And we both loved it. As I squelched at Khan's reveal and hooted at Bone's one-liners, I realized that she saw and tolerated my unabashed, full-fledged nerdiness from the get-go. The music in my car quickly led to a discussion about how The Dead were my favorite band, and that I have considered myself a deadhead ever since I saw Jerry's sixth to final show in the legendary Three Rivers Stadium, and have been reverently wearing an occasional dye ever since. So Girl and I hatched a sweet idea to make our own dyes, red and blue, to wear as we went to see Man of Steel. Huh. And so Girl is really kicking butt at being girlfriend right now. I provided picture attached, donning our sweet dyes. I'll just scroll up there for you. you get, uh, oh, not bad. Uh, Good on you, Brainy. She's a cutie. <laughs> I don't know how she is attracted to you. <laughs> well, clearly she heard all his, his letters he's been writing into Trek West right. 5 and was drawn to his intellect. Right. <laughs> Only kidding, uh, Brainy. She's, she looks awesome. Um, okay, back to the, to the nook. We saw Man of Steel at the drive-in, and so for Brainy's Nook of Darkness, this week, we take a brief, spoilerless look at the new Man of Steel. Sappiness provided by Kevin Costner. Awesomeness provided by the new General Zod. One great thing about this story is how it focuses on Kal-El in an and Alien. And that this story is how, uh, and that element I feel was never interestedly explored in the previous movies. There are some amazing scenes on Krypton, and the special effects were often over the top, but visually stunning nonetheless. We get to see Gaeta and someone else from BSG I can't recall. If the movie needed saving, Amy Adams was amazing. Yeah. So perfect as Lois. Superman UK dude I thought was great too, providing a touch of melancholy and humility to our culture's greatest mythological hero. Overall, I loved this movie. What did you dudes think? Would you like to discuss it further? I may have enjoyed the flick more because of the hot chick wearing a matching red and blue dye. <laughs> But I really think it was a super awesome time, pun intended. 
Okay. Let me say this. I haven't seen Man of Steel yet. Okay. You have, though. I have. And? So, uh, I really enjoyed it. Here, here's what I have learned in the past few years. If Amy Adams is in a movie, <laughs> I'm going to enjoy it. <laughs> I think that she and I have the same taste in movies. <laughs> she picks to do the kinds of movies that I tend to enjoy. And in fact, I only went to see Muppets because of the level of confidence I have in her as an actress in her decision making. Okay. Because uh, I, I didn't trust, what is his name, Jason Siegel? Mm-hmm. I, I had no confidence in that guy, and he wrote that. And I was like, I don't know if I want to see the Muppets as done by Jason Siegel or not. Well, you know what? Amy Adams is in it. Woman's never let me down. We're going to go watch it, and I loved it. Same thing with Man of Steel. It's, they did some interesting things with the story, which I won't go into in depth, but I honestly wish what they had done was make this into three movies. I feel like there are three movies worth of plot that they try to cram into two and a half hours. Okay, if they had done that, wouldn't that have just been seen as money-grubbing? No. I I honestly feel like they had three complete stories, none of which got developed all the way, because they had to move on to the next story and get it told before the end of the movie. I see. I, th- I think there really were three fantastic stories in there, none of which had the time to develop all the way. So, I, uh, you know, three is a number. I, I just I, I can think of three main plot lines. If they'd done it even in two, I think they'd be better off. I just feel like there were too many things going on in the movie. It didn't know if it was, you know, Superman is an alien trying to find, you know, he's a stranger in a strange land trying to find his place in the world. It didn't know if it was an action movie, the fight against Zod. There were so many things going on that nothing really felt like it took the time that I would like a movie to take to develop that story. I see. Yeah, that makes sense. That does. Um, okay, well, I, I do, I would like to see it sometime. I'll maybe get around to it eventually. Um, yeah, okay. Okay. Joey's Culture Corner. So, for my anniversary, my wife and I went to see the Joss Whedon-directed Much Ado About Nothing. Okay. Uh, this is my favorite Shakespeare, I think, of all time. Super, super funny. Uh, if you haven't ever seen it, you're not familiar with the story, there's another great one out there, which was uh, Kenneth Branagh and Emma Thompson. Yes, that uh, was done nineties, eighties. P- uh, PBS has shown it many, many times. Yeah. So if you ha- if you haven't seen it and you don't have an opportunity to go see, also has Keanu Reeves in it. Yes, it does. So have you're going to love it for that. <laughs> but he doesn't say whoa. <laughs> uh, anyway, so if you the, the thing with the Joss Whedon version is it's going to limited screens. I think it only is like twelve hundred screens across the country. So if you don't have an opportunity to see it locally, I, I would still recommend that Kenneth Branagh. Emma Thompson version. It was also good. Uh, I really liked this Joss Whedon one. They they set it in modern time. I think it's like Beverly Hills or something like that. Uh, Nathan Fillion plays Dogberry, the the local constable. He's fantastic. Uh, um, who did it in the one with Emma Thompson? It's the Batman, the first Batman. Movies. Michael Keaton? Michael Keaton plays Dogberry. So, so if you've seen the other one, that's the character we're talking about. Uh, Fillion was, was hilarious as that character. He's this like bumbling idiot, but he's the local constable, and he, he arrests some, some of the characters. And 
It's fantastic. Really, really hilarious stuff. Uh, I mostly enjoyed uh, Amy Acker. She is Beatrice. Totally stole the movie, and, and uh, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe maybe you can't say stole the movie because she is supposed to be the, one of the main characters. Uh, in fact, it was two Joss Whedon staples. So Amy Acker was, I want to say Fred was the character's name in Angel. Okay. And what was the guy that liked her in Angel? The wiry, the, um, br- the British guy. Wesley Wyndham Price. Okay. So, but I don't know what the, the actor's yeah, real I don't know name the actor's is. Name. So that guy plays uh, Benedict and Amy Acker plays... Beatrice and those two get together over the course of the movie. So, oh, you just blew it! You gave it away. Yes, I gave away a Shakespeare play <laughs> that's like six hundred years old. <laughs> Shame on me! It could have turned out differently. <laughs> no, it's uh, even the dialogue is direct from the Shakespeare version. So it's it's just the setting where they where they changed a few things. But uh, really enjoyed it. A great time. Uh, if you if you like Shakespeare, be aware that it is going to be Shakespearean dialogue, but they were they all did a very good job of helping the audience understand what some of the tougher lines mean through visual cues and body language and things like that. Thumb up, really enjoyed it. Moving on to episodes, we are going to cover episodes three through four of Battlestar Galactica season four. Three. <laughs> we'll start with episode Exodus Part 1. While Handhole helps the insurgents prepare for the rescue mission, Xenalon's dreams lead to a shocking revelation. Human seers can talk to the Cylon God. <laughs> what did you think about that, uh, the actress who played the, the seer? I thought she did a great job. Yeah, I liked her a lot. I've seen her in other roles before, and she usually plays that kind of a little off-center, yeah. crazy type of person. I meant to go look She's her up awesome. I was like, yeah, who is that? I've seen her in other stuff, but I couldn't put my finger on what or where. Um, yeah. Okay. Let's start with Colonel Ty is the one who has a clear head <laughs> and is making the right decisions. Yeah. It just seems weird. doesn't seem right. Uh, because uh, Chief Tyrrell is kind of like, ah, they're, they're going to get Callie. They, they took Callie. What, what am I going to do? What? A-? And I, it would have been more awesome if Ty would have like slapped him across the face or backhanded <laughs> him or something and say, get it together, man. <laughs> um, and he gives him the information. He says, you know, hey, remember how we got this this info about these different locations? Recently, maybe we can go and find her there, take some people, yeah. see if you can cap, you know, get get her back. And so they do. And the, and the note that I made when when Tyrrell comes in and Ty sends out Tyrrell and, and a couple other people, I said, ah, so that's how they're going to save Rosalind. <laughs> like <laughs> I immediately saw that one. I was like, okay, because I ended the previous episode thinking, wow. They just killed off Rosalind and Zarek. Yep. Wow. <laughs> um, here's the thing. This episode, I think they kind of rewrote history. Yes. A little bit. The view of Callie's escape from the Cylon firing squad does not match up. No. It's not even the same region of the country. Like It's not even the same uh, 
terrain. More so that is the the series of events because Callie hears the gunshots and looks back and then keeps running. Yeah. Tyrell tackles her in yeah. this episode and then the gunshots start happening. Well, she was running through like trees and here she's running up a hill. <laughs> um, well, she was running through a gully. I yeah. don't remember there being trees, but there was definitely a gully. It just it felt so weird really and did. wrong, yeah. um, and which is disappointing considering the fact that it was just the prior episode. I would have thought they would have filmed all of this together and managed to make it coherent. <laughs> but I'm glad I'm not the only one who struggled with that because I had a really hard time with that. Um, they realize that Ellen betrayed them yeah um and that's gonna have some consequences for for poor (laughs) i I put one of the resistance fighters finds the map ty was supposed to burn Uh uh-huh he finds it on cavill sam immediately puts it together yes because he was the one anders okay because he was the one that made the map he drew it out it was his writing and he's like wait a minute this thing was supposed to have been burned yeah okay and that's how he he puts it off. i forgot that his first name was sam that's how long it's been (laughs) i'm like who's sam i wrote down sam (laughs) so xena has a vision and in that vision she's you know she's walking through this cloudy you know smoke-filled area and you know she's you know it's kind of unsure what this all means. Before we get into the Xena, actually, I want to take a step back. Because the Resistance fighters have a conversation about the Adama rescue plan right where Brother Cavill can hear them. Like, they're standing right next to him, discussing the whole thing at full volume. Mm-hmm. And when, when they get the Cavill back, when he's resurrected, he mentions nothing. And they're all so surprised by this rescue. I don't remember. I, I found that inconsistent. Okay. Um, let's see here. Gaius and Six are a little on the rocks, much like a married couple, I, I would assume. Not being married myself, I don't know. But they, they're kind of... Things aren't going so easy and well for them. Um, let's see here. Uh, Mother Starbuck um, <laughs> is, is caring for her child. Now we have the hippie shaman lady um, who talks to Xena, and I find it weird that as this, you know, quote-unquote seer who is on Kamala, yeah, that she's totally willing to discuss things with a Cylon, with well, a known Cylon. Yeah, she, she says that uh, Zeus knows who the Cylons are, and that he's actively weeping for this particular Xena because she's lost her faith. Mm. Uh, and she talks about how she's also talks to the Cylon gods. So I don't know, I don't know where these messages are coming from. I don't understand <laughs> the mythology yet of what's going on. But it seems like this seer is a seer to both races. And so that's why she doesn't, you know, the, the the message that she was given, this whether they be divine or mystical or whatever their their actual nature is, the what, information what? was given to her to pass on to this particular 
Xenalon. Let, let's not forget, though, that this is a crazy lady who's on this psychotropic drug, which induces various... Um, uh, what's the word for that? Um, not visions, but... Hallucinations? Hallucinations, thank you. Okay, but here's the problem with saying that they're hallucinations. She's right. Hera's alive. How does she even know that the baby's name is Hera or that the baby even exists? It was not common knowledge among the fleet. Did she actually say Hera or yes. did she just say... She said the, the, the child who is named after Zeus's wife and sister, yes. Hera. Oh, okay, she did say Hera. Um, yeah, I, I'm just saying, let's not forget, this is a crazy lady who has <laughs> just hallucinations. Just happened to get right. <laughs> uh, and she tells Xena that she is going to get the child. Yeah. She's going to be able to hold it in her arms. Um, okay. So now we have the scene where they're down in the, uh, the, uh, Galactica's bay and they pour all of this salt. Yeah, that was a weird ritual. Um, we've never seen it before. What I found odd is, why are they wasting all of that salt? <laughs> Just seems... It does seem less than foresightful. Weird. Okay, I, I get that you're, you know, we're all brothers in arms coming together here. This is going to be our last stand together. We're going to do this great, awesome thing. And there's this... You know, this metaphor that we're sharing. Why do you have to put the salt down? Why can't you just, you know, share the Draw metaphor? Draw a line and chalk. And then, and then everybody goes and hugs each other. Yeah. I, it missed for me. Me too. Okay, don't waste salt. That's the, the lesson <laughs> that uh, we're sharing today. Um, okay, so we have Lee and Adama there in, in the, the flight bay as well. And they're talking. And they basically say their goodbyes. Yeah. And Lee is kind of saying, I'm not going to see you anymore. He realizes that. Why doesn't Lee give him the lighter? Why didn't the writers put that in there to have Lee give the, the lighter back to Adama? I would have been such great... I thought he already did. I don't think so. I think he gave it back in a previous episode, Pete. I don't remember it. Because he's got the lighter when he has that terrible episode with uh, um, oh that black guy who was the yeah. the kingpin, it's the, one, the one who becomes the uh, Lord of the Underworld. Oh, so dumb. No, I think at the end of that episode, he gives the lighter back and thanks him for its use. Yeah, I don't think that happened. Huh? I could be mistaken. Uh, at any rate, I you know it's a thing that happened. Um, and we move on now. Um, Cavill talks about dying and how painful and terrible <laughs> it is and how he does not enjoy. And I think by extension, the resurrection process is not pleasant and he just does not like it at yeah. all. Well, and like they left him there to die tied up, right? Yeah. <laughs> like- <laughs> <laughs> what do it's you a say? slow, painful, terrible he had to, like, death. Find a sharp piece of metal and cut his own throat or something yes. like that to die. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? I, I wonder how it would change our culture 
if that kind of resurrection process became commonplace that way, uh-huh. what kind of things would you be willing to die to get out of? You know, it'd, it'd be like, you know what? This is a really boring party. I'm just going to <laughs> off myself. And then by the time I resurrect, the party will be over. <laughs> Oops, I tripped and fell out the window. Uh, you know, awkward social situations. You don't know what to say. <laughs> just kill yourself. <laughs> Oh, man. That would make certain things getting out of so much easier. You know, I'm I'm really sorry I wasn't at your mom's funeral. I was in the resurrection tub. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, so Andrews is uh, ordered to protect Hera. Um, So they have this special plan to make sure that Hera is going to get out safe. Yeah. It's a big deal. Um, let's see here. Discussing the plan, Colonel Ty learns the truth yep. about Ellen. Doesn't take the news well. Pretty shocking. Xena uh, and Boomer have their little match together, um, and the attack is on. That's uh, that's all the notes I have for this episode. I, I'm not a huge fan of this episode. I don't like it. Okay. I, I think it's all set up. It's all set up for the next episode. Yeah, but it's not very good set up. Okay. Um, uh, the only other note I had is, we, you know, we, we saw how Adama and Handhold were starting to get close and to trust mm-hmm. each other and stuff. Mm-hmm. Boy, if she ever finds out that Hera is alive, that is going to be a huge Awkward. problem. <laughs> she's really going to be angry. Like she, There's something there at the end where she's walking around and she's like, oh, she asks... Uh, that's what it is. She Tyrell. asks, no. Yeah, no. she asked Tyrrell if, no. if the ashes were actually in the canister. She doesn't ask Tyrrell. She asks... Tyrrell. Is it Tyrrell? Yep. She says, you were there when, when mm-hmm. Hilo dumped the ashes? Okay. For some reason, I was thinking it was somebody else, but you're, I think you're right. I think it was Tyrrell. Were... Was... <laughs> She's like, were they really Hera's ashes? Like, how is he supposed to know that, right? Well, yeah. She she just asks, you know, were there ashes in the canister? Yeah, okay. And his response is, yeah, there were ashes in the canister. Anyway, yeah, I just it made me think, boy, she that she's gonna have a hard time forgiving that when that news comes out, and you know it's going to. There's no I, way that stays secret for the whole yeah, series. Every anybody in that situation's not going to react well. I agree. Having been lied to and having their baby stolen from them. <laughs> uh, nope. Is that it? Yep. Okay, so let's go to Brainy. He says, Exodus Part 1, I love the trippy drug-hazed oracle. Also, now that's what I call a cliffhanger. Yeah. Sci-Fi 8, TV 7. Uh, let's go to listener M. He says, hey, dudes, I hope you both aren't having to work too much. Your company should be more understanding and allow you both more time for the podcast. You'll be more productive when you take time to podcast. Congrats to Joey's wife for 14 years. She must be amazing to put up with Joey's nonsense. Yeah. Also, I look forward to hearing what Peter got Joey for an anniversary present. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, I think my present was allowing you to uh, to go to the land party. Okay. Last night. Uh, that you only stuck around for a couple of hours for and then said, yeah, I think I'll just go ahead and go home now. It, it's 730. I, I was doing miserable at that game. <laughs> I was really hoping we were going to play D&D. And then when uh, I found out that wasn't going to happen, okay. I kind of... Lost interest. Yeah, a little bit. I stuck around and um, just watched the other guys play, and it was a lot of fun to do that. But then again, uh, that's as far as video games go, that's the most amount of enjoyment I'm ever going to get out of them <laughs> is just watching others play. He continues, Brainy had a really good nook last podcast. I haven't really missed the lack of new recordings this month. I've been enjoying your West Wing shows. The quality definitely went down after Sorkin left. It seems like they replaced him with the typical typical Hollywood suits. They brought added hot chicks to the cast and found more celebrity guest stars. Perhaps I should ask if I even need to finish the series. Is it 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 is getting hard to watch series six? And uh, let's see, do things get better in series seven? Uh, no. I think you should watch it all the way to the end. I think the eh. final few episodes of season seven are worth watching. It's a good wrap-up to the life of Josh. Yeah. And that's probably the most worthwhile thing you're going to get out of it, I um, think. There's a few other good stuff, but... Yeah. I think th- I think there's some good stuff. I would stick around if I were you. Yeah. There, there's some rough patches. I won't deny that. Yeah. Very rough. Okay. Let's see here. Some episode comments. This is West Wing stuff here. Okay. The Long Goodbye. This episode was just out of place for the entire series. It was good to get to know CJ and her family situation, but where are the other episodes where we get to know the background and struggles of the rest of the cast? This also brings up a slight criticism of the entire series. The work schedule of the entire West Wing staff work way too much for government workers. I get that the heads of the various departments are appointed by the president, but they still have lives outside of the office. The interns and the lower ranks can't all be that true, that altruistic. The entire staff seems to live 24-7 at work. Not very realistic. Rating of 7, solid storytelling, although out of place for the series. Liftoff. A great CJ story, but also a great nod to how important assistants are to any organization. The assistants to the staff are the backbone of any organization. When something needs to be done, the assistants are right there to make it happen. Rating 8. Exodus Part 1. We get more evidence that Sharon Athena Agathon is loyal to humanity and can be trusted. What's going to happen when she finds out that Admiral Adama is hiding her baby from her? And can't be trusted. (laughs) (laughs) The Admiral's rescue attempt wouldn't get very far without her. Okay, uh, that's it. Okay. Pete, science fiction. You know, I'm, I don't love the episode, but it's still okay. I'm going to give this a six. I feel I'm being generous on that. Um, 
Yeah, I guess it's probably because of the oracle that we see. That's that's the main kicker. Yeah, the idea that the uh, human oracle gets messages from the Cylon god for the Cylons, uh, I'm giving it a 7. Wow, I think that's overly generous. Okay. Um, you give your rating and I'll give mine. Television, I'm going to give a 5. This is middle of the road. Again, I feel like I am being generous with that. Again, the 5 is probably because of the oracle and... <laughs> Which a great job she did. Uh, but all of the rest of the stuff, they just totally rewrote the history of what happened um, in the prior episode. Well, yeah, because they realized they just killed off Rosalind and Zarek, and they had to <laughs> fix it somehow. <laughs> I think they were always going to save Rosalind and Zarek, <laughs> but the uh, how they did it was just I, wrong. I, I feel like maybe Ron Moore watched the dailies from that, record, from that filming and said, No, 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 wait, you, you can't kill them. I need them around. <laughs> uh, I gave it a five as well. Moving on to our next episode, Exodus Part 2. In an episode full of dichotomy and juxtaposition, we see one of the greatest combat maneuvers ever, as Galactica jumps into the atmosphere to allow its vipers and raptors to directly join the fray. Um, wow. (laughs) That was so cool. Just amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Um, okay. So the episode starts with... Lee being a downer again and being all sulky and sad. And thankfully, Dee is there as a supportive spouse and um, shipmate, I guess, <laughs> to help kind of shake him out of it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he kind of wakes up a little bit. He's still, things aren't quite right for him still. And I can understand this. I can understand the emotion that he's feeling. This is one of those times where I'm like, okay, he realizes what's going to happen to Galactica. He yeah, knows that yeah. they're they're not coming back. And it's like, well, I just said goodbye to my dad for the last time, and I guess I'm in charge now. I get that emotion. Um, so I, I'm going to give Lee a pass okay. on this, and, and I'm not going to be hard on him. I, I love the jump here from... Dwala being such a, a great supportive wife and mm-hmm. and helping knowing exactly what her husband needs to hear at that moment. Yeah. Helping lift him up. And then cutting to Saul and Ellen and the holy mess that that relationship is. Yes. And that that's one of the that's one of the moments in this episode I saw as as just a, a very cool dichotomy that the writers are playing. They're like, Okay, we're gonna go from you know, great, awesome, loving relationship to what on earth are those two doing to each other? <laughs> and and I, I just, I really loved the way that they played those two scenes back to back like that. I think it makes, it really highlights the characters and the relationships that those characters have. So Anders is pretty in the face of yeah. Ty saying, you know what needs to be Kill done. your wife. This has got to happen. You can't. You know what she did. All of these things happened. I lost these men because of her. And it leads to the inevitable question, which is, if you're Ty, do you kill your traitor wife? I just send her to be with the silence. Be like, yep, go be with Brother Cavill. Really? Yeah, I'd banish her. You wouldn't kill her? No. Is it because... You just don't care or because you couldn't? I don't want that blood on my hands. 
Wow, of all the blood that you've put on your hands <laughs> over the years, that's not the one you want. No, nope, no. Nope. Okay, all right, that's fine. Uh, you know, I Ellen tells this sob story about how. I mean, she the the thing that just kind of turned my stomach was when she's like, "I got the brother Cowell to notice me the way men notice me." Uh huh. And like, she's victimized by that. She she uses that as a weapon. Don't try and pull that out now as, oh, you, poor pitiful me. I'm victimized because of my sexuality. No, you've been using that t- for years as a manipulation tool. And you, 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 don't, you don't get any sympathy from me now here's, trying to here's play that Here's the interesting card. thing. I actually sympathize with Ellen Ty. Hmm. Because of her motivation in this is not to help the Cylons, it's to help her husband. This is all Ellen central. You know, this uh, whole thing is because this is what Ellen wants. She wants to be with her husband. He, she wants to be with Saul. And so in order to do that, she's going to do whatever she can to get him so that she can be with him again. It. She does it. In the absolute worst manner possible, other than, you know, actually killing somebody else uh, to take Ty's place, she the she wants to have Saul Ty to herself. That's what she wants. And that motivation, I, I understand and think, okay, I, I don't hate you because of that. I hate the decisions that you've made. Um... Yeah, I don't. I don't. I wouldn't say I hate her, but I don't have any sympathy for her either. I do. I, I feel in, like in this case, all, you know through, what? You you made your bed. Yeah, through, through all of the other stuff, that woman is an absolute mess, and it is because <laughs> of the decisions that she's made in her life. But this, I, I kind of get, and I'm I'm not so harsh on her. So then Saul poisons her, I'd guess. I, Yes, <laughs> he puts her to sleep, and goodbye, Ellen Ty. <laughs> so is she actually dead, or is she just asleep? No, she's dead. He, okay. he kills her. Okay, and, and I, I don't I, know if maybe he just knocked her out, and she's he's like, well, I'm going to leave her here, and that effectively kills her. Yeah, I, I see where you, I see what your your point with that, but it, the way he weeps over her, um, I love that scene because of the emotion that. Ty has because I don't know why he's interested in this woman, but he is, and he's been married to her for years, and he still really cares deeply about her, despite the betrayals, the various betrayals that she's done to him over the years. It kind of almost seemed like she knew what was in that cup. I don't know. No. Okay. Because no. she kind of starts saying goodbye to him in a way, right there. I I, I don't a, get it. A failing of the writers. Okay, okay. I, maybe there is, and it's just not very clear to me. But I I didn't get anything. Baltar that. finally grows a backbone a little bit here, <laughs> telling the Cylons, "You should have listened to me. I was right all along. Uh, I I was." I, I won't say I started to like the character of Baltar or anything like that, but I was like, hey, you know what? Good for you, Baltar. You finally, it, it's, it finally was a bridge too far. You've decided, okay, this is the line. Now I'm going to step up a little bit. Yeah. What, what did you expect of us? <laughs> what was going to happen through all of this? Yeah. Um, okay. So the attack has begun. Yep. And Anders is not there to guard the baby. Well, remember, he also, he put, 
those two other people in charge of making sure that she got to the because all all Rosalind had did was say, "Look, Anders, you have to make sure that this person is gonna is gonna be protected and taken care of." And then he says, "Okay, fine. Well, I think it's weird. All right, but we'll do that." And then he puts those two other people in charge. It's kind of like the commander just assigning the the responsibility out to somebody else. I just felt like he made a more personal commitment to individually make sure that it happened and then didn't live up to it i in this example like or uh, this this part of the story he kind of seems like one of the the main people like one of the main military leaders at this point you know he's a he's a colonel who mm-hmm. can't do the menial task he's got to make sure that you know the much broader uh, scheme is carried out and so that's why i'm okay with him assigning it to I, the I see other i see your point i just felt like there was a more personal responsibility that he had accepted than just the order of a command staff to you know then make sure that that order is implemented i felt there was something more personal in that conversation with rosalind that he should have clued into and the, the note that i made right when it happened or you I mean you were sitting there you yep. watched this episode with me I just put the explosion start. Anders not there to guard the baby. This isn't going to end well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they mask the signals. Yeah, apparently drones can pretend to be somehow they can stars? manage to put out the signal. <laughs> and I, it would have been cool for them to have used this trick before. Yeah, but I don't know when they would have used it. I can't come up with a uh, an example, but they use it here effectively because they're like, "Oh crap, they're coming." Which is, you know, one of the awesome things where we we see on that uh uh that ship when they're like, "Oh crap, um Adama is back." Yeah. You know, and they're like legitimately scared. Even Baltar at that moment. <laughs> it's like, "Oh crap. Yeah. What's going to happen?" Uh, you know, there's something that kind of bugs me, and it, it, I think this episode is the first time that I bothered to write it down as a note, but you see this occasionally in, like, military shows and stuff. She says, okay, you know, vipers break on my mark. Now, now, now. I'm like, what's the purpose of the first two nows? And what happens if someone goes on the first now instead of the third now? <laughs> I don't understand. I it must be the whole one two three thing. Yeah, I, I guess I don't know. It annoys me. I just right. leave it at that. Well, don't join the military because <laughs> you're going to be asked to do that a lot. I don't know if that's real. I think that that's TV military. <laughs> uh yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Okay, uh, let's see here. Guy sees the writing on the wall. Uh, Leoben gets tough with Starbuck. <laughs> Okay, we both we both noticed this funny thing yes. here. Yeah. As Leoben is leaving, he locks the door and you see the deadbolt <laughs> on the wrong side. It's like on the like, like you It's know. on a normal door, yes. like where it's the inside of the house. Oh no, please don't make it so I can just turn the deadbolt <laughs> and walk out. <laughs> bizarre. It is. The only thing I, I I guess that makes sense is the fact that they they blow all of the doors eventually. Yeah. And so if the lock is... Yeah, I, I'm not even going to try and uh, pretend to... <laughs> well, we saw in an earlier this. episode when I'm he not. left the door open that she ran t- up there and there's still this... Oh, sure. The, th- there's the, the prison uh, jail kind of bars out uh-huh. beyond that. But I just thought it was bizarre. Why lock that door? 
All she has to do is turn the deadbolt back the other way. That's true. Maybe he's hoping that she's just going to remain unconscious there for a while. And whoever, you know, the insurgency is rising up, you know, the the attack has begun. He That's going to prevent other people from coming uh, into maybe. that okay. room. I guess we've explained it now. Um, okay. Let's see here. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. Galactica. <laughs> Jumps into the atmosphere that was so fantastic and just starts falling, falling. <laughs> amazing so great I-, I didn't see this coming at the time that it happened it's just not a like okay yeah sure raptors could jump into atmosphere why would you ever take a battle star into the atmosphere <laughs> And I love they launch the Vipers, and one of the Viper pilots makes a comment like, Hot dog. This should be interesting. Because <laughs> there's like flames shooting out as he's, as he's going out. Because, you know, this, the, the, as the Battlestar falls towards the planet, it's, you know, just burning up lots and lots of atmosphere. It was great. I just giggled. <laughs> so, of, of like the tons of of space battles that we've seen, this episode has one of the coolest. Yeah, around it, of most of the the sci fi stuff that I've seen, and I think it has a, a great deal to do with you know jumping into the atmosphere. Um, let's see here. So the everybody's flying around. Um, they start you know fighting back against the the Cylons that are flying around. They manage to make it inside the complex. Anders finds Starbuck. Yeah. And he picks her up, starts to carry her out. Uh, Cut away. We see two more base ships show up. Yep. And Adama says, we We can't can't hold hold off off for, which is his realization of, I'm We're gonna dead. die. This is it. This is gonna be the end of it. But what an end we'll make of it. We'll make this so awesome and great. So Galactica it just is getting pummeled. Lo and behold, the Pegasus shows up. You know the way the way they sold that moment. The cameras backing away and everything. I was sure. Boom, boom. Yeah, I was certain. I mean, they had me sold. I yeah. was like, oh, this is it. This is how Adama goes out. And then I realized, just like a split second before the Pegasus showed up, Battlestar Pegasus just doesn't have the same <laughs> ring to it. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so they start firing away. They immediately destroy one of the the base ships. Um, so now there's only three, and they're like, "Hey, get undercover. We'll protect you for a while. Get those FTL drives, th- th- those drives back up." Um, let's see. Starbuck goes back for Casey. She's like, no, no, you can't leave this baby behind. And and wanders off. Uh, let's see here. Cylons offer a ride to Gaius. Yep. They're like, nah, we treated you pretty terrible. And you were right about all of this. So, yeah, you can come see, with us. See, guys, being right, it pays off sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Even if you're Gaius Baltar. Um, and that's a tough decision for him because... At, at, when that scene begins, he's just like, I, you know, Six is telling him, hey, come on, guys, we've got to go, we've got to move. He's like, no, I just want to sit here and die. die. Yeah. He, giving up, you know, he's and just like, 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 writing on the wall. Okay, I'm happy to help that make that happen. <laughs> 
Yes. Uh, um, Gato was pretty angry. He felt like like Baltar's betrayal had sullied him somehow. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. It, um, it disappointment, you know, is such a terrible thing to lay on other people. You know, it's one of those emotions like, you know what, I, I guess, uh, you know, I, I'm i sad that you made this decision, but I'm more disappointed, you know, in, in See, how you See, you know did that, this. and yet you do it to me all the time. <laughs> well, yeah, it's effective. I actually did it to my kids the other day, uh, <laughs> about a week ago. We, we went out somewhere, and, and we had a conversation about how they needed to behave in this place. We got home. They did not behave according to what they had agreed to. And we got home, and I took each one of them as the, as I tucked them into bed that night and told them, I'm really disappointed in you. You really let me down today. I know you can do better, and I expect better of you. Nice. And my daughter bawled. Yep. And my, my yep. wife said, you are such a monster to her. Don't you know that all she ever wants is your approval? Yeah, I said, well. And with my daughter sitting right there, I said, then she should work harder to get it. <laughs> <laughs> Father of the Year award, as far as I'm concerned. Well done. Uh, that's you know, awesome. She she knew that she she needed to know. She needed to hear from me. I expect better of you, and, and I do. She's she's a great kid most of the time. In this instance, she let her you know her wilder nature take out, take over, and I had to use that as a teaching moment to tell her. You know what, sweetheart? I I, I even told her that night. I said. You know me. I am the silliest dad in the world. I will be as silly as you want to be. In fact, most of the times, I'm probably more silly than what you actually want. Like, they can't handle the silliness sometimes. But in this moment, I said, you know what? We need to be serious. We need to be so sober and somber. We need to be in control of ourselves. And both of them just lost it. They went crazy. And that's what I had to tell her. Look, you know what? You agreed to do something. We talked about it. You made a commitment to me. You really let me down here tonight. And since then, we've talked about it again. And I just said, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't talk to you like that if I didn't know you're a big kid, a smart kid. You can handle it. But you needed to know where that boundary was and that you crossed it. So it, it, it was hard. You know, I didn't walk out of that room feeling great about myself. But I think I did the right thing for the kid as a parent. No, I really think uh, you should have felt some moral superiority having walked out of that room. <laughs> like, yep, I'm right. <laughs> Told them. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Uh, comes back with Casey. Yeah, well, Galactica jumps away. Um, Gaius takes, uh, talks his way. Um, out of uh, out of being shot by yeah. Gata, because he's like, I can stop her. Is Gata wrong to do that? Yes, Gata should have killed her and then went and stopped the Xenolon. Yeah, I, I totally. I, I don't think that Gata made the right decision to shoot Gaius right then and there. End it. Yeah, shoot them both. Yeah, both of them. Yeah, probably shoot Head Six first. She's the bigger threat. <laughs> yes. Yeah, or good not point. Head Six, Real Six. <laughs> Uh, yes, now um, they abandon Pegasus because it's getting pounded. Yeah, it's and they get in raptors on. and then just leap away. Yes. They're like, okay, everybody, get to the raptors right away, and we'll just pretend like the Pegasus is a really small ship and we have raptors standing <laughs> by. I just, 
<laughs> I had a little problem with that because I thought that was too convenient. But yeah. maybe he really was on you know a, a smaller staff, and they they were going to be able to just jump away. Fine, okay. Um, but before they do that, they get up to ramming speed. And they all jump away, and that ship is still moving through space. <laughs> Physics tells us it's going to happen, and it plows into one of the base ships who can't get out of way. And debris comes flying out, and it manages to hit another base ship, and that blows up as well. Mass carnage. Yeah. Um, so three three base ships down, and one uh, battle one, one star. star. Yeah, three for one. It's a decent trade. Here's the thing. Did they make the right decision? I don't think so. I think they should have abandoned Battlestar Galactica. I think so too. I it, it's the more uh powerful ship is Pegasus. Yeah. It's in better shape. Um it seems like it has more abilities within it because of the fact I mean they can make their own vipers. Yeah. Um I think they made the mistake. I don't think they were very judicious in this plan. But Anyway, I you know I did make the comment extra ball when when you can play pinball well enough that <laughs> they actually hit the one ship and a piece goes spinning out. I, uh, I, I feel, okay. I feel like that deserves an extra ball. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, in the the next uh, season, we are going to get a new uh, battle star. Are we really? No. Oh. <laughs> so Leoban shows up Jerk. and he has Casey. Yeah. And uh, Starbucks says, "I love you." And then Leoben him. kisses him, <laughs> yeah, kisses yeah, him yeah, first. Yeah, you're right, and then plunges the knife into the gut, um, and Starbuck wins. Yep. She takes Casey and tells Anders, "I'll explain later." Should she have taken Casey? Yeah, I think so. Because she doesn't really know. I mean, she thinks it's a hybrid baby. So what? Okay. We we the hybrids are a potential weapon. So Gaius finds Hera. Uh, the lady doesn't manage to make it off. Yep. Hera is still alive, though, and he gives it to Xena. Well, here's an interesting thing, though. Since head, since Caprica Six and Gaius have found each other, this is the first time we've seen Head Six. Yep. And she's there while Real Six is there, and doesn't react to her whatsoever. Yep. I thought that was interesting. And no idea what it means, but I thought it was interesting. Yes. <laughs> I hate this show. <laughs> uh, so they they get back on everybody's, you know, coming back onto uh, Galactica and, you know, Starbucks like, "Oh, yes, uh, this girl, her yeah, her name is Casey." And as this woman is walking by she's like oh, casey oh my gosh you found my baby my child <laughs> and starbuck is just crushed yeah um and they managed to find like the hottest chick possible for this <laughs> poor uh, this little girl's uh, Mom. uh mother because she's the best looking woman that i think we've seen on her here you know uh, not including head six yeah okay i was gonna uh, say really <laughs> because she's just gorgeous like perfect teeth perfect skin perfect hair just absolutely gorgeous in every you know measurable way um i guess in the you know in that world they have much better looking women <laughs> 
All right. Uh, so, so in this scene, we get the other the other really interesting juxtaposition, which is you've got the people carrying Adama off on you know on their shoulders, chanting Adama, Adama. Yeah. Then you've got so like that, and and you've got Lee and Dwala, and and they're kind of holding each other and smiling, and that's like the high end of the emotional spectrum. And then you've got Saul, mm-hmm. who's just crushed, yep. and Starbuck, who's just been crushed at the low end. And they put those two on extreme opposite ends of the landing bay, and then right in between them, did you notice who was standing there? Gaeta. Gaeta, mm-hmm. who's like in an emotional mid middle point. I mean, he's ni- he's neither super happy nor super sad. I just thought the the blocking of the characters and the juxtaposition of the emotional states that they're all going through, I thought that was fantastically done. Yeah, you know, poor Ty has just I mean, he killed his wife yeah. just a couple of hours ago. You know, this is very very fresh. And, you know, when he has that conversation with uh Adama where Adama says you did it, Ty, you got them back. And choked up, he says, no, not all of them. And I, you know, that that's tough. You know, he was the, the main person in charge from a military standpoint, plus his wife is now gone. It's so uh, got to be draining for, for him in this position. Well, and before he has a chance to have his friend console him, his friend is pulled away to the cheering of crowds. Yeah. That just has to make it even sting worse. Um, I don't really feel anything for Starbuck in, in this. I mean, she's had mental games played with her. And so she's like, I, you know, kind of accepted this child as like, oh, well, this is mine here. I'm going to care for it. I, I'm going to smile about it. I am really happy. Oh, wait, it's not mine. And now I don't know how to feel about myself. And, you know, what is this going to do to Starbuck? Because I can't see her handling this emotionally well. Yeah. When she, what has she handled emotionally well? <laughs> right. Right. Okay. I don't have any other notes. Did you, did you want to cover anything else? Oh, uh, just one small note here. Apparently, the mustache was somehow symbolic of the people they left behind. Oh, really? Well, because now that they've got him back, Adama shaves. Ah, he's more. The only time he had the mustache was when the people were on New Caprica without him. He was He's more business now. That was casual, Adama. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I just thought it was interesting. That mustache makes him look a lot younger. <laughs> really? I felt that he looked a good 10 years younger with the mustache. And then, especially when you see it, he cuts it off, you know, shaves it off. Like, you just saw him a minute ago with it. Now you see him without it. And I was like, wow, yep, back to old man again. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I, it just feels goofy to me to have the mustache on Adama. I agree. Not a fan of it. No, I wasn't either. All right. Uh, listener M, he says, Exodus part two. I wonder how happy it made Joey when he saw Ellen get poisoned. <laughs> I didn't hear you cheer at that. Uh, no. You did ask me the question. He's like, wait, did, did he just kill his wife? And I was being a jerk at the time. I was like, I don't know. Watch the episode. I'm not going to tell you. But well, I did I did finally tell you. 
And then I didn't believe you. So I, <laughs> I, I was didn't like, know that part. I was like, well, <laughs> if he told me, then that can't possibly be what really happened. So I'm like waiting for the other shoe to drop the whole episode. <laughs> Ellen to wake up and wander away. <laughs> Like, wow, what was in that cup? I gotta get me some more of that. Um, no, Ellen's dead. Are you happy that Ellen is yes. finally gone? Yeah, yeah. I feel yeah. bad for Ty I, in the way it had to happen, but I'm so glad that character's <laughs> off the show. <laughs> okay, um, it would have been really cool if, at the end of the occupation, Starbuck told Leoben, "There are." Four lights! <laughs> and then stabbed him in the back one more time. Instead of saying, I love you. Leoben has always been a creep and doesn't deserve any sympathy. The character of Starbuck should have no trouble resisting him, especially because he allowed the little girl to get hurt. Yay, the Pegasus gets destroyed, saving Galactica. Everyone is back to normal. Hooray for everyone. <laughs> Sci-Fi 8, Television 8. Have a great week, listener M. All right, uh, Brainy. He we go to Exodus uh, Part 2. I thought that Michael Hogan was brilliant here as he executes his wife. What a convoluted situation Ellen got herself in. Not pleasant, but intense nonetheless. And the old man's rescue mission was unlike anything I have ever viewed in science fiction. Uh, the official term for the Adama jump and dump move will forever be known as the bucket drop. <laughs> and yay, Fat Lee to the rescue. Uh, Sci-Fi 10, TV 8, Joey's Final 5. Okay. Um, and I think it's cool that uh, he's kept, uh, he put the picture, uh, you know, it's embedded here in the email down at the bottom. So I get to, to look at his cute girlfriend <laughs> the whole time. So thank you, uh, Brainy. Number one, what is the deal with Xena the Cylon? What's her interest in Hera, uh, what's her interest in Hera going to lead to? Uh, I think it's going to lead to... Zena finally reconciling with her faith mm-hmm. and coming back to this concept of we are here to teach the humans, help the humans become what they were meant to be, rather than we're here to just wipe out the humans and, and torture and kill them. Really? Yeah. So it's going to be a beneficial thing for the yes, humans? Yes, I think so. Okay. Number two. Is Weirdo Oracle Lady a Cylon, a human... Or a third party? Third party. Third party, okay. Number Makes perfect three. sense why, the, why the, the Cylon God would talk to a third party. Number three. How would you deal with the new Capricorn Cylon collaborators? Oh. That's going to be tough because Gaeta's going to look like one of them. I mean, I would imagine a bunch of them probably may have died down there on the planet. Yeah. Um, but some of them definitely will have made it back up. Yep. What do you think? You got you to gotta be so careful with this because you don't want to create a situation where you don't want to create the crucible, right? Where people are, you know, just the accusation of being a Cylon collaborator and all of a sudden your whole life is torn apart. Mm-hmm. 
Um, given the state that humanity is in, I think it's live and let live at this point. So everybody's just going to get a pass. Y'all just get a pass. Like, okay, we all did some terrible things down there. What we- stayed on New Caprica? <laughs> what happened on New Caprica stays on New Caprica. <laughs> Nobody look each other in the face for like the next two weeks. No one make eye contact. <laughs> we all know it was awkward. Yeah. Number four. What's next for Gaius? I don't know, because he clearly didn't make it back to, to Galactica. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say that he goes back to Cylon Society with Caprica 6 and finds out what the whole thing's all about. Okay. And comes back as the ultimate savior of mankind. Ooh. <laughs> really? <laughs> that would be a terrible twist. <laughs> <laughs> Number five. What do you think of the Chief's story so far? The Chief? Mm-hmm. Terrell? Mm-hmm. It's okay. You like the character? Yeah, yeah, I do. Okay. I, I, I wouldn't say he's my favorite or anything, but yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying what they're doing with him. Okay. Later Dudes Ambassador Brainy Smurf. Uh, Brainy, thanks for the email, um, and we're super happy that you have this really cool girlfriend. Hope everything goes well for you. And Pete would like you to include a picture of her at the end of all your future <laughs> <Yes>. emails. <laughs> yeah, with every tie-dyed shirt that you two make, uh, ensure that uh, or uh, make sure that you have a, a picture attached. That should become one of our Facebook Find of the Week awards. <laughs> <laughs> the picture of Ambassador Brainy Smurf and his girlfriend in their tie-dyed shirts. Oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> Brainy, if you're okay with that, we will make up uh, a new Facebook Find of the Week award um, using a, a picture. If you wish to submit, if you don't, totally okay. You don't have you don't have to do that. You got to think about the poor girl in this. Uh, I'm hoping she doesn't ever become a fan of the podcast at this point. We already like verbally harassed her. We haven't even met her. Uh, anyway, also uh, much thanks to Alex and Fishhead. And listener M for the emails. You guys are great. We really appreciate uh, the the time you guys take to you know send in an email. It's it's awesome to to see that. I wonder if listener Sai is still out there. I bet he is. I, I bet Sai's been a while. Yeah, I'm sure he's fine. Uh, if, if you're out there and listening, we miss you. Um, okay, Joey, what do you think for science fiction? I'm giving this a nine. That, yeah? that bucket drop, as it's called, <laughs> apparently, that was fantastic. I One of my favorite things I've ever seen on television. Um, you know, I I was being overly harsh, but, you know, that rewatching it today and, um, you know, all of the discussion we've had, that is such an amazing battle. And, and the drop into... You see the ship. It's getting so ridiculously close to hitting the ground, and then, voop, it's gone. Wow. You know, that, and that definitely answers the question about, you know, how long does it take to, you know, put recalibrate, up a, yeah. re, you know, put up a, a new um, Well, I'm, I'm guessing they calculated both of them before the first jump. Sure. Yeah. So as long as you've got the calculator, as long as you know where you're going, it should be a fairly quick thing to do. Um, I'm going to give this a nine as well. Okay. Uh, for television, I, like I said, I, I I think they did some really, really creative things with playing different parts of the characters. I only called out two of the ones that I noticed uh, in the way they used juxtaposition and dichotomy to draw us deeper into that universe. I'm giving this a seven. I think they did a fantastic job here. 
You know, I I think as a general episode of television, this is you know, there's a lot of action here. I think there's a lot of emotion here, so you're going to be able to have both men and women enjoy this. Um, so I'm going to give this an eight. Well, that brings us to the end of another podcast. We hope that you've been inspired to take a deeper look at your entertainment choices and discuss it with friends, family, or just a couple of complete strangers you only know from the internet. As always, we invite your comments to our email at trekwest5 at thehomestarmy.com. You can tweet Pete at trekwest5, or you can call and leave us a voicemail at 801-508-4242. So until next time, I am Joey. And I am Peter. And we thank you for listening.